Welcome to Between Two Chairs, Demystifying Commercial Real Estate, the podcast that brings you the latest insights and trends on the South Florida commercial real estate market with your hosts, Fernando Arencibia Jr. and Jennifer Woolman. In each episode, we dive into the world of commercial real estate and break down complex concepts to make them accessible for everyone. Whether you're a real estate professional, a curious investor, or just interested in the South Florida market in general, Between Two Chairs is the podcast for you. So pull up a chair and join us. So welcome back to Between Two Chairs and our first episode of October. So since October is Halloween month, we thought it would be appropriate to make our first episode about fear. And I'm not talking about masks <laughs> and scary <laughs> and scary monsters <laughs> Halloween. Or wait, I've got a cute one too. All, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> Hurricanes, tornadoes, and quakes. Okay, I just had to do that because I was getting my Halloween stuff out from my granddaughter. Since this is an audio medium, I think we should, I should explain that my partner, Jennifer Woolman, by the way, welcome everybody to Between Two Chairs again. Uh, my name is Fernando Anacivia Jr. And Jennifer just pulled out a mask <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> then she played us that beautiful song. Oh my God, that is, that is too funny. You are you are one of a kind, my friend. <laughs> Let's get on serious now. So I love that little Mickey because it talks about all the things that scare him. And he mentions, you know, tornadoes and hurricanes and bats and, and quakes and snakes. But nope, nothing bothers him. So <laughs> and I love his little laugh. <laughs> So, <laughs> so yeah, you did really good there. You like it? Yeah. So the reason I thought we would talk about fear is because in September we had several workshops and conferences that addressed some of the scary read negative um, news headlines that are out there. Some of them are on a national level. Some of them are on a statewide or local level. But I thought it was very interesting because those type of headlines tend to induce fear in investors, in the general public, in consumers, etc. And even though I tend to be an optimistic person and dig into the negative headlines, it interests me to see what the sources are, where they're coming from, and whether or not they coincide with I'm with what I'm seeing in my local market. Once you start getting negativity, I think from too many sources, it can induce this feeling of fear or anxiety, which can become paralyzing. And it can become paralyzing um, from a personal standpoint in terms of achieving your own goals from an investment standpoint in terms of not knowing what to do or selling at the wrong time. So I thought it would be interesting to start. Um, So first, I had a quote that I love from Zig Ziglar. It's, you know, he says, fear, F-E-A-R, has two meanings, forget everything and run or face everything and rise. So and the choice is yours. So I love that quote. And obviously, I think you and I both are of the face everything and rise. theory. But so we are going to try to give some information relating to South Florida's market that contradicts a lot of the negative headlines that we've been getting. But I wanted to start out with synonyms for fear from Merriam-Webster, which include anxiety, dread, terror, worry, panic, trepidation, scare, fright, etc., to name a few. And then the antonyms that I love are confidence, courage, assurance, fearlessness, boldness, and bravery. And I think you'd agree that the antonyms can actually be what help us overcome our fear. Um, Because if you are confident and bold and brave, then you can overcome whatever fears you're facing. Look, I completely agree. I think that that's a great quote by Sig Ziglar. And, you know, I think that 
you know, courage, people always say, it's not the absence of fear, but it's what you do in spite of it. And it's what you do to face it. Fear, you know, shows up in so many different ways in our industry. You know, some, some people are afraid to fail. Some people are afraid to succeed. Some people get very concerned when there are shifting market forces, you know. And we've been hearing for a long time that our market has shifted and our market has shifted not today, but that shift comes along sometime a few months back. And I think what happens is that, you know, there's the perception and then there's the reality. And to your point about the news cycle and how the media, when when we hear negative stories, it kind of creates a self-fulfilling prophecy of things are bad, things are bad, things are bad. I think what happens is that the more years of experience you gather in this industry, the more you realize that not everything is as it seems, right? And that our goal and our, our job really is to understand the market to the point where we can parse through the headlines and parts through the stories and get to the heart of the matter, which is this. Between perception and reality lies opportunity, right? And if you have the right information, and we always talk about hyper-local, being the hyper-local expert in your market, that's where you find opportunities that are otherwise not there. Famously, the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett always mentioned that you invest when others are afraid. And sometimes you held back when everybody is so confident. I think that that is an, an important component of this because we knew I knew what we were talking about this today one of the things that I started googling is just about the state of the commercial real estate industry and commercial real estate market in the entire country right and so you start looking at this and you start reading a lot of negative headlines you know so I'm going to read a few of them from you from the Wall Street Journal how scared should you be about commercial real estate deep dive who's afraid of commercial real estate commercial real estate crash sparks bank collapse fears uh, commercial real estate is in trouble all of these things when you start parsing through it and you dig deep into when you're reading the stories obviously the headlines are much more sensational than the story itself and one example that I thought was really interesting is in one of the articles, Ryan uh, Cotton from uh, Bain Capital was saying this, commercial real estate has a branding problem at the moment. Office is about 20% of the equity value of commercial real estate in total. So we're letting one fifth of the assets speak for the whole asset class, right? And so this is misleading and it create, definitely creates anxieties, curiosities, and some stilted opinions that are probably biased by those headlines. And I think that that is where, when we're approaching this idea of fear is to understand that our job is to parse through the noise and get to the bottom of where are the opportunities lying and where are things exaggerated and where are things, you know, doing really really well I agree one of one of the headlines that um, and thank you Ricardo Teran with folio title for sending me this one but it was also the Wall Street Journal and it was real estate doom loop threatens America's bank and what they were talking about there and I think most of this the fear that's out there and to the person from Bain who who addressed that issue is the CMBS loans, right? It's the commercial mortgage-backed securities that are due to mature. We have, um, I think there's like a $3.6 trillion total exposure by national and local banks to these types, to, to real estate loans in general. And they're estimating that, I think it's like $1.3 trillion is due, of these loans are due to come due between 2023 and 2024. So that's where the I guess insinuation is that if all of those loans fail, which the likelihood is pretty low, that if all of those loans can't get refinanced or they can't pay them off or the values have gone down significantly, then there's going to be a total collapse in the real estate market, right? And to your point, one, only 20% of that represents office. And by all accounts, office is the one that has is having the biggest issue. That's the asset class with the biggest issue um, because of COVID and work from home policies, et cetera. But beyond that, there are certain cities that are having issues because of poor policies, bad management, whatever. And most of those office classes are in big cities like San Francisco and New York. And as we've been discussing this over the last 
last several weeks addressing these headlines, that's mostly institutional money, right? And yeah. it's not your mom and pop investor. It's not the ones that are necessarily affecting Main Street investors, right? right? These are the big institutional investors. And definitely, if they were all to fail, I am not saying that there yeah. wouldn't be an issue. I'm just looking at like what the probability is that the numbers that they're quoting, you know, a 3.6 trillion exposure to real estate. And that's what they're relating to in this article for being the doom loop that threatens not only America's banks, but the commercial real estate sector. But then the author himself, when he's being interviewed, he's like, well, we don't know for sure if it's going to happen. Hmm. <laughs> but we're just going to point out the worst scenario right. possible. Yeah. So I think those are the things that we're trying to address. And yeah. to your point, everything's local. So the office market in Miami and South Florida is completely yeah. different from the mar office market in San Francisco. Right. You know, one, it's smaller. Yeah. And New York, it's definitely a smaller market than either New York or San Francisco. But we're also in high demand. Our right. demand for office in the state in general, but Miami-Dade in particular, is significantly stronger yeah. than the national office market. No, I, I agree. And I think that uh, I, I think what happens a lot is the way that we in, internalize and the way that we interpret what we consider to be fear. You get to do something for quite some time. You start to develop some calluses as to, you know, what are potential dangers. We as human beings, there's still that reptile brain in us that has that fight or flight right. response to any danger perceived or real. There's a story, and if, if you don't mind me just reading it, because I, I'm sure people have heard it, but just in case people haven't heard it, but there's a Taoist parable which has been repeated different times so basically it's a Chinese story of unknown origin and it tells of a farmer who used an old horse in his fields and one day the horse escapes into the fields and the farmer's neighbors were lamenting and sympathizing with the old man over his bad luck and the farmer replied bad luck good luck who knows a week later the horse returns with a herd of wild horses from the hills the neighbors congratulate the farmer on the good luck and the farmer's response is, bad luck, good luck, who knows? Farmer's son attempts to tame one of the wild horses. He falls on his back and breaks his leg. So his neighbor sympathizes and says, what a terrible luck. He goes, bad luck, good luck, who knows? Some weeks later, the army marched into the village to draft every able-bodied youth they found. And when they saw the farmer's son with his broken leg, they let him stay. So his neighbor says, congratulations on your good luck. So you already know the answer. Good luck, bad luck, who knows? I think that there is so much power in that story. And I think that for a lot of agents, especially young agents who are in the industry, a couple things happen. Number one is they, they oftentimes just lament when you have bad luck and celebrate when you have good luck instead of seeing them as a continuum, right? That there are opportunities in the things that we perceive to be bad and there are opportunities in the things that we perceive to be, to be good. But it's all in the perception, right? The reality is somewhere underneath and the reality is that if you are consistent with your actions, almost like when we talk about the compound effect, you know, if you're consistent with your actions, you're gonna get the right results. So you should focus on what you're able to do. When I was a young agent, I would freak out when I had a property under contract and I was trying to micromanage every aspect of the transaction, you know? And when anything went wrong, I would catastrophize, you know? Like, ah, oh, now this is not gonna close and I've been working on this for such a while and the, the attorney is now, you know, throwing a wrench into this or, or the, the buyer is asking for something unreasonable or the, or the seller doesn't wanna budge. And at some point, and this only comes through experience, at least for me, it came through just the experience of realizing that there were you know, plenty of people that are involved in the transaction that have a have more of a vested interest in the transaction you know, taking place than I do. And that oftentimes what I'm able to do best is to stay out of the way, right? right. Is to do what I'm able to do to provide great communication, to be aware of what's happening. But sometimes you gotta let all the parties do their job. And so that, level of freaking out, you know, goes away with experience. But then 
the wonderful thing about that is understanding that our market, right, whether you're residential or commercial, but I think, I think specifically to commercial, we're going to go through ebbs and flows, right? The market is going to shift. Mm -hmm. There are opportunities in that shift. You know, some people make most of their money, their relationships that they build for the long term. They do it when the market is shifting on a, on a downturn or, where, or when there is a perception of, of weakness in the marketplace. And so everything is an opportunity. And when you look at it like that, the fear can uh, recede into the background, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think it ever goes away because, like I said, Courage is not the absence of fear. Right. So I don't think that fear ever goes away. But you can quiet those voices and understand that it'll work out. <laughs> right. And and to your point with, you know, in terms of a local market and how we're doing here. Yeah in terms of opportunity. So, you know, they've been quoting price drops and everything. So yeah. yeah, we have had more than anything some some rental and it's not a price drop. It's no. an it's a decrease in the rate of how rapidly rents are increasing, right? <laughs> exactly. And it's and that's a positive. Up. It's still right, going it's, up, but instead of sixteen percent right. it's going up one percent. Right. And that is healthy. You can't go up sixteen no percent all the time and Correct. and not be priced out if you're a retailer, for example, or an industrial user. You know, there's only right. so much of an increase that they can withstand and so yeah. much of an increase mm -hmm. that those tenants can pass on to their customers um, as a price range. And so not all slowdowns and not all decreases are bad. Yeah. And to your point, they, they offer opportunity. So, you know, I thought it was really interesting. I was going through NARs and this was for the second quarter for 2023 in the state of our area's commercial real estate. And every single sector, mm -hmm. multifamily, office, retail, everything, yeah. was stronger than nationwide, which is something that we've been seeing for a while. Now, what we are seeing, and I think that ties into kind of the CMBS loan story, is that we've seen a huge decrease in the number of sales transactions, right? Yeah. But it's not for lack of demand. It's mm -hmm. for lack of inventory and lack of financing, right? So yeah. because of this unknown with the CMBS markets, banks aren't lending, right? They're right. they're waiting to gauge their exposure. And yeah. I think part of fear is driven very, very strongly by uncertainty, right? If you're certain, right. and, and especially the human being, we all crave certainty. We want right. to be secure. We want to yeah. know. We want, you know, yeah. we, we don't like the unknown. Correct. And so that uncertainty also creates this sense of fear because it's this disquiet and an unease. Right. Don't you find that people that are successful have made peace with change being a constant and with, you know, being uncomfortable? And I think that that is a big aspect of how you handle that fear. When I was a young buck <laughs> in this industry and uh, Sorry, but we just were... Sorry, saying that shows that you were... Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> I've never been a young buck just because I said young buck. I get it. I totally get what you're saying. But I remember that the conversation is about making phone calls. What I was taught is you make the phone calls that give you butterflies in your stomach. The ones right. that you're afraid to do, those are the ones that you do early in the morning, you get them done, you know, it's going to build up on the rest of your day. Right. And the reason you're afraid of them is because those are the biggest ones, right? That's, right. those are the big, you know, like the gold medal that you're going after. So it is scary. Like, of course, who am I to be talking to so-and-so or right. asking for this or whatever. And the other thing That's that so I want true. to point out is that, you know, you're going to get rejected. Right. When you pick up a phone, yeah. no matter how many times you, sure. you're going to get rejected and people don't, you know, that's another uncomfortable place to be, which Correct. can make just the thought of knowing that I'm going to be rejected and I'm going to feel bad about that rejection is yeah. enough to scare me away from making the call. Right. But that call is also the one that's going to produce the biggest payback for me in the long run. So, right. so it's funny that you say that because Beth and I have had yeah. a lot, Beth Azor, uh -huh. and I have had a lot of discussions about fear and how in our early days as brokers, and it's hard to imagine Beth afraid of anything <laughs> because right. she's so just true. this go-getter. But we talk about how, you know, fears or 
um, insecurities really stopped us at the beginning because we felt like we had to ask a bunch of people what their opinions were and what their thoughts were before we could take the step. And both of us have experiences where it's that, you know, would have, should have, would have, could have purchased that we keep in the back of our mind of remember that experience. For me, it was a single family house. For her, it was a retail site in Doral. But both of us felt like we just weren't sure enough in ourselves and confident right. enough in ourselves. And we asked people who were the negative people who didn't believe in the area or the asset class. And both of us regret those because we've followed those <laughs> properties. And so that helps you, you know, overcome in the long run. Um, but it also helped me identify because I was so upset that I had missed that deal. The next time a deal came along and I did get the winning on that house, I had the winning bid and I backed out during due diligence over stuff that was made up in my brain. Like my right. gut, everything was telling me the numbers were right. It was going to be a fabulous buy. But my brain was like, oh, no, you're going to bankrupt your family and you're going to be living under a bridge. Like right. totally yeah. not realistic. Um, so the next time I went to go invest, it was the same thing. And I do this every day. I'd been doing it every day for 10, 15 years. Like. I know what I'm doing, right? Right. But when it came to actually doing it, I had this fear. So what I had to do to overcome it, it was really strange. I did what Tony Robbins suggests, right? He suggests that we face that fear and we use it as a driver. So after weeks of not sleeping, I backed up into a car, total disguised car. I mean, I was like a zombie because I knew, like I was wrestling with this fear. And I'm finally like, okay, you know, you're being irrational. You know, you're not going to be living under a bridge, mm -hmm. you know, like everything that you're thinking versus yeah. what you're feeling are, are not reality. So I ended up calling a friend that I know who who has money. And I just I, I said, look, I'm going to ask you a question and your answer has to be yes. And he's like, what? And I said, your answer just has to be yes. Do you think I would ever do anything to jeopardize you or your family? His answer was no. So I went through this series of questions like, right. would I ever do anything to that would be bad for his family? And he said no. And then I finally said, OK, so when I ask you this question, what's your answer going to be? And he's like, yes. And I said, OK, thank you very much. And I hung up the phone <laughs> and I went to close that you deal. Didn't even ask the question. I didn't even ask him the question. Right. And I closed. Because it was irrelevant. Because it was irrelevant. It was just knowing that he was going to have my back if I didn't get a mortgage. Like, I had already been pre-approved. I already had the financial backing. The numbers were like everything worked. But I could feel that fear where I was getting ready to back out again. So I, I think, you know, whether you're a new agent or a new investor or a seasoned investor that's facing something, it's really important to identify what the real source of the fear is. If the real source of the fear is because you don't have enough information or you don't feel comfortable with the information you have, that's a valid fear. Yeah. So address it, figure out how do you get better data? How do you get more yeah. information? If it's a numbers thing, what numbers would make the deal feel better for you? Yeah. And there are other deals that I've walked. I had this building that I loved. It was an old 1925 office building in Stewart. Mm -hmm. And I was obsessed with this office building. I had all these ideas of what we were going to do, how we could do it. It was mostly vacant. It was run down. It needed some work, but it was on the main street in Stewart. Stewart, I knew was getting ready to boom just because of where its location is. And I tried to convince myself every way that I could make this work and the numbers just no matter what I did didn't work and I walked away yeah. because I'm like you know no matter how much I love the building the deal has to work and thank For god sure. I did because after that the great recession hit like a year later and it would have it would have hurt we would have been giving hurt. back keys again right. I wouldn't be living under a bridge but right. because the numbers didn't work yeah any which way that I sliced it I, I couldn't do the deal. So um, in that case, the fear was healthy. But there are a couple of things that you mentioned there that, that I think are very um, important. One is something that I reposted on LinkedIn from uh, Simon Sinek, which, you know, he was talking about we all need something in our life. We need that one person in our life that believes in us enough where we overcome our lack of belief in ourselves. And so when you're reaching out to that person or is or is your loved one, you, you need somebody who's who, who believes that you can do it almost in spite of whatever you're feeling until you believe it in yourself. 
but you but we all need that person in our life and i think that that's an important component of overcoming fear is having the support system around the other thing that you mentioned that i think is very important is oftentimes fear is lack it comes from lack of preparation right if you're afraid of something go do your homework research study ask questions do the work right? right and i've been blessed that oftentimes i mean i've had opportunities to speak to large groups right i hate and you you know this and you you're the, of the same mindset i hate being unprepared right? right i'm prepared even when it's a spurt of the moment you know my mind starts to function and, and starts to work but i don't like to go into a situation where i'm unprepared well that's the it, difference it you don't like your... going into a system into any situation unprepared i hate public speaking <laughs> well, <that's laughs> which true. is a fear for the majority of people right. you like public speaking I, I and don't, yeah but I, I don't mind it but to your point yeah. i almost turned down several great opportunities in leadership that thank goodness i did Right. because I had the support group there to say, right. do it. But the way that I overcame my fear of public speaking and shout out to TK, who's great at putting her leaders on the spot all the time so that they are prepared when the time comes, is that I was always prepared. And I think in real estate, we always have to be prepared because For sure. it doesn't even matter if it's a professional business meeting, right? If we're at a barbecue, people are always asking us, how's the market? And that's true whether you're in commercial real estate, whether you're an investor, whether you're a residential. If, if your sphere or their sphere knows that you have any kind of insight, insight into the yeah. real estate market, that's the first question they ask, sure. right? So if you don't know or if you just start quoting the, the national headlines or the stuff that you've heard, Correct. you're also missing an incredibly valuable opportunity right. to set yourself up as an expert and to provide value to them and to be the source for them of any future real estate questions that they might have, whether they're buying, selling, yeah. or just want to know. So that goes to your point of, you know, always being prepared and, and Ron Sheffield field always said, you know, he knows numbers inside out. And he said, yeah, he always does that because he knows that's going to be one of the first questions. So he wants to be spot on and he can rattle numbers off the right. top of his head like there's For no sure. tomorrow. So I think that was, you know, a lesson learned. So if you're afraid of something, identify it, address it, prepare you know, Correct. get gathered the information right. and everything else to overcome that fear. So I did want to go over just some of the information from second quarter, because I do think the beginning of this year, kind of across the board, was wobbly, right? It was yeah. wobbly in residential. It was wobbly yeah. in commercial. We pretty much saw everything kind of dry up, you know, in terms of number of deals, in terms of inventory. But in the last month, I've seen a loosening of that. And again, I don't know if that's because we're becoming more settled with the higher interest rates, right? Like right. people are starting to realize, okay, two or 3%, even if they start decreasing, right. are not coming back to two or 3%. I mean, yeah. we might go from a seven and a half to a six, six and a half, or maybe even a five, but right. not a two. So again, it's providing a little bit of certainty into mm. the market. And I also think that people are realizing, okay, well, if this is the, you know, the new normal for how things are going to be, and inventory is going to be tight for a while, yeah. and I still have to put my money somewhere, right? And I still believe in real estate. Then what am I going to yeah. invest in? I will tell you that anecdotally, over the last three months, you know, I've seen an, an incredible increase in the amount of those conversations that are being had. And I think that what happens is that you mentioned about certainty and uncertainty. I think when things are uncertain for a while, they become the new normal. Right. <laughs> and I think what happens is people adjust and say, okay, so maybe the certainty that I need is knowing that it's going to be uncertain. These things are not like the dust is going to settle and then it's going to be a short term or a long term. Right now, I can only look at what are the things that I know to be sustainable in the long term, right? The quality of the building, the value of the location, you know, the asset class that I'm buying, the potential future development that I can uh, get out of it. And so I, I think that that is what is happening here is there's a, a come to terms with the realities of the moment. And now it's time for us to deploy our, our funds in a wise way. But um, for me, I'm seeing 
more willingness from sellers to, to sell, right? Because they've right. gone to a point where they're like, look, I don't think that I can, you know, really uh, I'm still at the top juice. of the market. I'm, at the, I'm still at the top of the market. I don't think that I'm going to be able to squeeze any more juice. At this point, I think that there is great opportunity to list a lot of properties be mm-hmm. between now and the end of the year. And I think anybody who's out there right now and through the first half of the fourth quarter are absolutely real buyers. Oh, for sure. Because all, all deal flow always kind of slows down naturally after September, right? right? I mean, everyone's trying to wrap up what they already have in the pipeline, but right. they're not. But I think some of them started later this year. Correct. So what happens is I think that we're going to see a very strong race to the finish, you know, in, in regards to deal flow. I think a lot of a lot of transactions are going to occur at the end of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth. I agree with with stuff that's listed either stuff currently or that currently comes on the market now. Be listed in the next 30 days, you know, definitely I think that there is there's in, you know, there's incredible value there. And I did want to ask you this, you know, because you're, you you like to read and, you know, we, we parsed through so much data, but was there a book that you read where you addressed or it, or it addressed for you some of those concerns over fear and overcoming obstacles or anything like that? Not really. I've never read a book on fear or anything like that. I mean, I did do a Tony Robbins course, but uh-huh. I mean, I did, I, I can't remember what he calls this book. I walked walk on fire. I did that too. Yeah, you walked on that? fire. Yeah. That's awesome. They were like, come on, come on, faster, faster. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. thought it was all about being zen and in the mind. But anyway, that was a whole different experience for me. So and you I were the one who got burnt? <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. I think no, they were afraid that I was, but no. I didn't even, I swear yeah. I didn't even feel the heat. Of course, yeah. I am a runner and my feet are a mess anyway. So I might not have felt it even if I stood there for a while yeah so i haven't really read anything on fear but i've read you know of other books that to your point i feel like i'm prepared i'm i'm prepared in i can't say planning because i'm not a great planner like super super long term i'll have a plan but my plans are always pretty pretty fluid um but to your point books like the compound effect and knowing that if I pick yeah. one or two certain th- things, the other one is the the disciplines. I'm blanking on the exact name of the book. I want to call it the 10 disciplines of execution, but I think it's the four, sorry, the four disciplines of execution right. is very, very good because again, they talk about identifying the one thing similar to your one phone call that scares you the most, you know, identify the one or two things that are going to move the needle towards your goal the most. So that's what I read. Let me just because you were saying that there's going to be a lot of activity and some opportunity sure. out there, even though this this information is from the second quarter, which we know was slower than most. Let me throw out really quickly just some cap rates and stuff by commercial sector so that if you are planning on investing or jumping in the market, you at least have a base from where we were in the second quarter. So for office, and I still, again, I think office is a great buy because, again, if everybody's afraid of office, to me, that's where the opportunities are. And in um, the second quarter, the market cap rates for office space in southeast Florida was 6.6%, up from 6.3% in second quarter of 2022. Sales volume was down significantly from 800 and almost 879 million in the second quarter to 120 million in the third quarter. For multifamily, bacon is still super, super strong, but we're building a lot more units. So in the second quarter, the vacancy rate was 3.6%. It's gone up to 5.8%. Market asking rent growth has slowed. It's under 1%. Um, But again, that's coming off of the 16.1% from second quarter of 2022. And even given all of that information, the market cap is at 4.7% for multifamily. For retail, retail is on a total tear in Miami. Good luck finding anything in South (laughs) Florida. We have a vacancy rate of 3% and market rent growth um, in the last 12 months is up 4.7%. And industrial, again, same thing, vacancy rate extremely low. We're at 2.1%. Um, rents are up. Market rent growth is down from 2022 second quarter, but it's up 14.2% versus 20.1%. So again, I still think the opportunity for office is is big and there's some pretty cool reuse 
projects going on. I don't think the office to multifamily, which has been written about, is very realistic. But I know, especially for suburban in, office in, space. In which way? So, you know, think about it. Multifamily, you need plumbing in every unit. You need kitchens, you, which need, you know, require exhaust and everything else. So I think yeah. if you have a hotel you might be able to do a, a multifamily conversion much more easily than an office, which tends to have plumbing in a central corridor. And, you know, cause most offices don't have yeah. ensuite restrooms in their facilities. So in, in that sense, I think it could be, you know, pretty expensive to do that right. versus, you know, if you have a class C office, then tear down and rebuild is always an option. And I think we're starting to see some pretty creative uses in some suburban areas where actually I was reading that um, developers are going in, tearing down the class C office and putting in industrial, not even multifamily. They're putting in industrial because they feel that there is such a need in the inner you know, closer in areas and there's just no land elsewhere. So I did want to mention because, you know, we're the theme here is fear. We wanted to give updates on the market and give you a different viewpoint and perception away from the headlines that uh, are stoking our need to be safe. Right. Right. Which is why they're they are fearful headlines. But the other aspect of this is, of course, we always think about the practitioner, you know, and we're there might be somebody who's listening who, who is going through something of a paralyzing moment, you know, through fear. I do want to recommend a book that I read at a time where, where I needed to read it, and it's called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And it's not a motivation book. It's not a ruhaha book. It's not a, you know, I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay, right? But it's more about uh, picking up on the lessons of the Stoic philosophers. And I think that it really gets to the heart of the matter of understanding that difference between perception and reality and understanding that sometimes what we consider to be obstacles in our lives, mm -hmm. it's actually an opportunity, right? And that oftentimes the reaction to those obstacles is not to avoid them and it's not to go around them, but it's to go through them. Right. And that's where the lessons are. That's where the opportunities are. That's where the fruits are, you know, at the end of going through those things. And one of the things that that I always keep with me is about all the things that we need to do. You know, we, we get bombarded with so many things that we have to handle in our lives that oftentimes we become like twirling in the middle of a tornado, you know, of all of those things. The whirlwind. And that's what the, the authors of the four disciplines call it, that the whirlwind sucks right. our attention away for sure yeah. and so one of the things that they talk about in the book is to say that this is something you could carry with you and there's only three things that you have to do one is control your perceptions two is direct your actions properly and three willingly accept what's outside your control that's all we need to do so control your perceptions, direct your actions properly, and willingly accept what's out of your control. What I love that about that is that ultimately the perception is, is a very personal thing. It's the way that you internalize the information. The second thing is that you are being called to act, but to act properly. You know, and the last thing is to let go of those things that are outside of your control and understand that you're part of a bigger ecosystem, right? And you got to let everybody, you got to let all the players in the play mm -hmm. do their role. And so I, I have always found great calming influence when I read those words, especially when I am in the whirlwind, because we're all human beings and, right. you know, you inevitably fall into the whirlwind, you know? And so... I think that the fact that you brought that up is super interesting and you brought it up as a way for us as agents and brokers to yeah. control fear. But it's interesting. I, I think Enrique Teran and Andres Corda must have read this book because they we did the Avanti report this uh -huh. week, which specifically was addressing all the negative headlines and controlling perceptions. And instead of it being controlling our perceptions, it was how we need to have the information. We need to control our perceptions, direct our actions, and accept what's outside of our control 
to convey that yeah. to our customers who sure. are feeling that same uncertainty. So mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting because he showed, you know, um, Enrique showed a slide and it showed, look at what, because we pulled the audience and it was, um, you know, what are you afraid of is going to hurt the market? And it was interest rates, lack of inventory. Those were the two big ones were interest rates and lack of inventory. And he goes, right. okay, only one of those can you kind of control. And that's the lack of inventory. So the only way you can control the lack of inventory is do the things that you're afraid of, which is dig into your database, pick up the phone and make right. those calls. And so that's directing your actions. And yeah. he said, you know, they said, how can you if your perceptions are negative as a as a broker and agent, if you're being negative and you're believing all of the negative headlines, how are you can convince somebody to buy or sell? Yeah. Right. So I think that's super interesting. I'm thrilled that you brought that up. I love how this happens to us so often mm -hmm. where it kind of comes full circle without us even discussing yeah. it. But I think now I know yeah. I'm going to have to read that book. I think that's interesting because it's not as agents and brokers, we not only have to control our own fears, we have to help our customers work through their fears. And, you know, yeah. Real estate is a huge investment of their money, whether it's a single family home or, you know, an investment property. It's it's a big deal. Um, and the numbers involved are probably higher than they're going to spend on anything else in their lifetime other but than, you know, a mega yacht or. Yeah. Oftentimes it's not what you hear, but you, what you don't hear that really uh, is important to pick up on. You, you, you haven't heard anyone, any, any conversation in this podcast, you know, from either of us about being in the middle of a shifting market or, or dealing with changes in the marketplace and all stuff and from the point of view of uh, it being a negative thing. And why? Because if you control your perceptions, if you direct your actions properly, it doesn't matter at what market we are, you will find success. And that's that's what you learn through the experience, which is to say that there is opportunity and a certain set of skills that you flex, right? Muscles that you flex at different aspects of a cycle of a market cycle. Right. And so, you know, I think that the successful agents, what they're looking at and, and really successful people in life overall, what they're looking at is that it's not what is happening right that is going to determine my pathway right is how i react to it right right and so some there are people i know in this marketplace that are extremely excited about a market that shifted right because they know that this is opportunity this is where the buyers come back into play this is where now i'm, I'm able to deliver for our investors you know and so that's what i think is what happens so if i may i'll say it like this novice agent starts you freak out about everything, you know, mm -hmm. most of the time. Then you learn, oh, wow, okay, I'm not, I don't have to control it all, right? There are other people that are involved in all stuff. Then you're like, oh, wow, now my, my market is shifting. How do I adjust? Then you realize, okay, I, you know what, no matter what happens, whether the market shifts on me or not, I I can find success. And then you get to, you know, the, the promised land, which is that I'm excited because I know that I have to do things differently, but I know how to attack this market. And then when the market shifts again, I'm excited again because I know what I have to do to adjust to, to the winds that are shifting. That is the evolution, right? And, and we all hope to get to that point where we get excited about shifting places and market because we know exactly who are going to be the players in that marketplace and how we can give them the opportunity to be to be successful. I think you're right. And I think I read something that when you were just talking that jogged my memory of something that uh, Max Fisher, um, he, he goes by commercial real estate Max on Twitter. And I love him because yeah. he always has these brief little insights. But yeah. he put something this week that I actually saved. And he said, he wrote, the most successful people that I know are the most impatient people I know. They are also the most patient people I know. They're impatient with their actions, but patient knowing that the results may take years. And that goes back to the compound effect wow. and everything yeah. else and, and to your fact about experience and everything right. you said about a new agent no is doubt. true for a new investor. Right. right? Uh, you know, the, the fear, the uncertainty, oh, yeah. and the everything else. No but doubt. as long as you're prepared, right. you're going to be, you know, ready to take advantage of a deal in any market no because doubt. 
you know, every, real estate, like everything else, is cyclical, yeah. and um, we're just in another section of the cycle. So yeah. I, I know that we're going to have a, another podcast devoted to, you know, um, investing in, you know, on the edge of scary. But I'll tell you, I have never spoken to an investor who invested in the edge of scary, who invest, and that, that might not be a location thing that we're right. talking about, be a timing thing, right? And I have never heard them say anything other than, I should have bought all of this, I should have done more, I should right. have invested more. You know, I've never heard them say like, yeah, I got lucky and, uh, you know, thank God I did because, you know, I, I, I would have never, I should have never done this. It's always the other way around. Right, you know, and what like, do they I say? Luck is being prepared to accept the opportunity at the time it right. presents itself. And you mentioned something earlier too about luck and and everything being perfect and being mm. prepared and i i remember speaking to this investor very successful investor and she was walking us through all of her investments mm -hmm. And she was pointing, like she walked us through beginning to end and how she yeah. still holds them and everything else not one of them like every single one of them gave me like made my stomach like cramping on itself because I'm like, oh, my God. But if you look at what she has and how cool she is and that told me, you know what, there is no such thing as a perfect deal. Right. right. Even if you're totally yeah. prepared. And, and we were talking about this well the other day with due diligence and everything else. Yeah. Right. There's no such thing as a perfect deal. So just. Right. That's another way to address fears, right? You're not going to panic if you know that no matter how well right. you're analyzing the deal, something unforeseen is going to okay. come up. So Correct. you prepare the best you can. Right. You have a backup for the what ifs, yeah. right? But Correct. there's no such thing as a perfect deal. And we no. think, oh, he got so lucky. Well, you don't know that, you know, he was losing money and had to do a capital call three times before that thing started, you know, pumping out money, Absolutely. right? So yeah. I think that that all those things are to keep in perspective. And I I just wanted to talk because we've talked a lot about our market and everything else. And um, yeah. Craig Studnicki did a great presentation um, the other day at the Miami Realtors Rock the Market. And one of the things that stood out other than that awesome video that he did with how Florida moved up in, in population over the years was he had a slide from the United Nations from April of 2023 stating that India overtakes China as the world's most populous country and the United States is third. So here we are. We are in the third most populous country in the world. We're in the third fastest growing state in the world. And we're in one of the hottest markets in Southeast Florida yeah. in the country. Right. So there's opportunity there. I don't care what the market's doing. No doubt. Right. Yeah. So I, to me, that was, that was like one of those goosebump moments. Right. Let's not lose sight of the fact that even if you're not in a hot market like we are, right. there's opportunity. There's oh, opportunity always. all around the country, always. including everything that San Francisco, New York is going through with, with office buildings and everything. There are opportunities. And those opportunities sometimes don't, you know, people won't realize it until much later when they see like, wow, look when they bought and look at what they were able to build. Right. My, my brother always says when the market's wonky and he's usually referring yeah. to the stock market he says he always listens for the word capitulate mm -hmm. and i was listening to a news story the <laughs> other day on recent office sales in san francisco which are trading for pennies on the dollar right wow. some of the big ones are people have given back the keys and one of the reporters used the word capitulate and so, you know, I think if you're looking for office, San Francisco is one of these amazing cities. They've screwed up their politics and their policies. I yeah. think they've learned their lesson and are going to get back on track. And, so? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little biased because I'm from San Francisco right. and it yeah. depresses the heck out of me. So I'm cheering for them to come back. But it's an amazing city. It's still the tech capital, yeah. even though people are leaving. It's still going to be San Francisco. So, yeah, I, I agree with you that regardless of what, you know, actually, if the as long as the fundamentals for the area that you're in are good in terms of overall employment and population growth and business growth, then they're going to be buying opportunities if you're in a down market.
Well, do we have? We've given a lot of stats. Do you have a stat uh, to uh, to finish our our fear? I do, and I don't know yeah. why I picked this stat, but I I guess maybe my Halloween and scary theme, and nothing scares me more than like a horror movie. I can't even watch clips <laughs> and commercials for horror movies. I literally plug my ears, close my eyes, and start humming a song so I don't hear it. So of course that's the stat I picked because face your fears. Um, so according to Get Next Market data, the total mm -hmm. growth of all horror movies in 2022 was 600 almost 645 million dollars with the movie nope which i've never heard of as the highest oh grossing yeah. at 123 million <laughs> look at that that's awesome to me the scariest movie i've ever seen in my <laughs> life was the exorcist followed by carrie those i think and i think those I were know. the last two I've movies seen, i ever saw i've seen the commercials for the new exorcist no, no, and no, it looks no, even no, 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 no. It looks even more scary, <laughs> but I'm with you. <laughs> so many things come to my mind. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to focus on this. My quote comes from um, Elliot Eisenberg, uh, the Bowtie Economist, which we, you know, I quote often. But this, I think it's, it's important because he was talking about remote work. And he says that firms, this is year over year, right, as of the middle of the year, uh, firms allowing their employees to fully work from home increase staffing levels by 5.6%. When you mandate one day of uh, in the office, that uh, growth, is reduced to 4.8%. If you require two days, 4.7%, three days, 4.4%, four days a week or more, four days a week, 3.8%, and 2.6% if you're requiring full-time office attendance. So the sweet spot seems to be between two and three days in the office if you're going to do a hybrid thing. The reason why I bring this up is because you could be afraid of change and say, well, remote work is changing office, all stuff, or you could look at the data and say, all right, what's going to be the sweet spot, and let's go for that. That. And that's, I think, as an example of the obstacle is the way, okay, here it is. We have a, sh a paradigm shift in the way that people are coming to the office. What is going to create, let us grow, right? Mm -hmm. But also allow us to have to have success and have flexibility. Yeah. So. Well, and to, to your point on that, that I think is interesting is what we had talked about regarding amenities, right? So what is it going to take? I already know my son and his fiance, they both work in London and they have both been working semi-remote, but right. they've been upping the number of days. So now my son, I think, I think they're both up to four days a week. Yeah. So Good. They're starting to, you know, require that across the board. But then again, what amenities are you offering? I mean, my son, if he works late, they get dinner, they get dry cleaning, pickup. They have a bunch of stuff to help incentivize them so that also on the days that they're not working, That's awesome. they're, they're, you know, that they're not working in the office. They're working from home. They're not running out and having to do yeah. laundry and grocery shopping and all that. So, like, how do you how do you incentivize? And I think we had one where, you know, you help. You have a doggy goes to work day so that right. people with pets. It's funny. I was just touring a site for clients of mine that, you know, we were on their contract. Um, I mean, they're, they have a signed lease for the space and now they're, they're, they just approved all the plans. So they're getting ready to do the work. And we were looking at the carpet and she was like, yeah, it doesn't look bad, but it's, it's very light colored. And, you know, Fridays we have bring your dog to work, bring your pet to work day. Uh -huh. And so she's already imagining like, oh my God, this great carpet, as nice as it looks, it's going to be destroyed we need right. to you know accommodate for those things so it's important well anyway thank you everybody for joining us on this episode this is lively and great i love it Hopefully you come up with the greatest ideas now you, you come up with the great ideas episode. absolutely all right bye everybody bye